The seller has to then buy a right of way from the buyer because how is he going to get into the backyard to get to his pit? He needs a right of way. To get into this pit, we have the rule mentioned above that the seller usually is generous, so he sold him everything. Now he's stuck with a cistern or a pit without access. See, in our world, and we have it right here, where we're sitting and learning, uh, up and down Havenhurst you have this, there's something called a flag lot. What is a flag lot? It's a lot shaped like a flag, meaning a flag has a long, narrow pole, and then it has a big flag. Many of these properties, including the one we're on, have two properties, a front one and a back one, the front property and the rear property. The question is, how do you get to the rear property? The answer is you have access on the side of the front property. That's why it's shaped like a flag. The access is like a pole. Now, you can't sell or buy the rear property without that access, because otherwise you're landlocked. You have to come in only by helicopter. This is the idea that we're talking about now. You need right-of-way access. Okay, uh, where are we here? Yeah. What if he says to him, I sold you. I buy the house. I want you to know I didn't sell you my pit. I didn't sell you my cistern. That's where I put my wine. I make a living from my wine. Then he doesn't even need to acquire a right-of-way. It's understood. So also if somebody sells only the cistern, only the pit, then the buyer does not have to separately buy a right-of-way. It's understood that he has the right to go through the fellow's property. You know, many of the utilities have agreements that they have right-of-way into your property so they can maintain their utility. The buyer, in this case, can enter into the house of the seller until he gets to the cistern or pit or mamali, and he can fill up his pitcher from his wine. It's understood. If I'm not selling you my wine cistern, then obviously I need right away. I'm not going to apply your parachute in there. Next scenario, Dalit Fortune, they bought him. Two small houses, which he calls rooms here. One within the other, you have one room which leads to the other. Now the question is, when the seller sold the room, did he sell the other room? Well, it depends. Maybe yes, maybe no. Now he says, If he sold the two rooms to two people, the same thing applies if he gave the two rooms to two people. They have no access. It's not automatically understood that the access is there. Maybe they have to negotiate their own access. Surely, if he gave the inner one, and he sold the outer one. So the, the inner owner will have to negotiate his own right away. But if he sold the outer one, and he gifted the inner one, we learned earlier that when people gift, they gift more generously than when they sell. You gift someone something because you love them. Yes, he obviously gave access as well. And this is the rule. When somebody gifts, the eye in Yopa, with a generous eye, Nason, he gives, Yesem and Amechem more than a seller sells. There's more generosity in gifts than there is in sales. Hey, Amechem is when somebody sells a house. What comes along with the house? And this is a big question. When you buy a house, did you buy that beautiful refrigerator that's sitting in that house? Is it included? Did you buy that antique stove? Did you buy the washer dryer? Did you buy any furniture? Did you buy window coverings? That's a good question. And very often, this is sold separately, but it has to clearly be in the agreement. So don't assume that you're buying this gorgeous Sub-Zero side-by-side fridge just because it's there. Now, you never know what the seller could take out before moving day. And that's what this is about. Amechel is not if somebody sells a house. Mohar, again, unless otherwise agreed, unless there are other local customs. He also sells a satan or the oven, a satirayim, the range, the door frames. What the guy's going to say? I put in this door frame. It was done by my very dear friend from Tooth and Nail Construction. And it's, these are lovely door frames. I'm not giving you my designer door frames. You go to Costco, buy your own door frames. Hamechubor and even though they're connected with mortar, they're attached with mortar, or as they say, with cement. Access on the sea. Yes, Adeles. What about the door? What if you have a gorgeous door? Yes, Haneger. What about the beam? Yes, Amanu. How about the lock? What if you have a very expensive lock? All of these are part of the deal. Avaleya, Samafeya, but not the key. You can charge extra for keys. Mochar and he sold. Yes, Amachdesh, What if there's a mill that grinds? That's permanently affixed to the ground. Avaleya, Samipaltelis, but not a movable, portable one. A portable mill you can put in the moving truck. Mochar, Esa, eats through bill. He sells. The wooden base on which the mill is positioned, but not the container in which the flour descends, which is like a bent piece of wood. 
nor does he sell the blocks for the feet of the bed. nor the window frames. Though they're attached with mortar. See, in our world, I believe the lawyers, if it's attached, then it's part of the house. I'm not sure, but that's my speculation. That's my recollection. Why do these window frames not become part of the deal? Because they're decorative. They're not part of the structure. Anything decorative is not necessarily included. However, when the agreement says, the house and everything in it, well, everything is sold. All of the above list is included. And again, these are big issues today as well. What is included, what's not included? If somebody sells a courtyard, he also sells any reservoirs, water reservoirs, vaults, cellars that are in it. You can't sell a courtyard and not sell its vaults and cellars. It also includes all the outer and inner buildings of the courtyard. Buildings that contain sand. And the stores that open up into it. But the stores that do not open from this courtyard, but have other access, are not necessarily sold with it. There's a courtyard access and a street access, as there often is in our world. A store will have a back access and a front access. Primarily, the activity is within. Then it's sold with it, if the action is in the courtyard. If not, it's not sold with it, because the action is from the street. He never sells any portable, movable property within it. However, when he said, he, it, the whole and everything in it, it's all sold. Regardless of what is said and what is not said, he doesn't sell a bathhouse because if there's a bathhouse as part of this courtyard, that's my bathhouse and I continue, I intend to continue to use it. The same goes for an olive press. So a bathhouse and an olive press is so distinct that it warrants individual independent mention in this agreement. It's not self-understood. Zion, what about if somebody sells on Mechadez Beisabot an olive press? And it was very common for people to have olive presses. First of all, it includes always a large stone that's affixed to the ground upon which the olives are ground. It also includes, and we learn many of these details in other laws, the cedar beams that are used for support when the olives are being ground. And the storage containers, the reservoirs, and the containers in which the crushed olives are placed. They are known as amaprechais. They are called amaprechais. But he doesn't sell the upper millstone. That's more of a portable object. Unless he said, the olive press and everything in it, it includes everything, including the millstone. In any event, he does not sell the blocks that are used to press the olives. That's clearly... Separate, and not the wheel that rotates the stone, or the beam, the sacks, the bags, or the leather sacks, all of these are separate. You don't have to sell all the supplies that you have stored there just because you're selling an olive press. So he distinguishes between supplies and minor parts of this press. Oh my but he told him, the olive press, the whole Tashmisha, and every accessory connected to the olive press, all of its secondary accessories, they're all sold. What if there are stores outside the olive press where olives or sesame seeds are spread, or sesame seeds are spread out for sale? Outside the olive press, they have a retail area. In and if he drew the outside boundaries, he acquires it all. If not, he only acquires that which is in it. And this can give us a whole new appreciation for in our world for contracts, which actually deal with many of these issues and have space to write in details. The closing paragraph of this chapter, which is on the shorter side, only nine paragraphs. It's where if somebody sells a bathhouse, now, I'm sure everybody here has owned a bathhouse at one time or another. It's a big business, and it's got a lot of accessories, and it's got a lot of parts. What is included, and what is not included? Mocha, the first thing is, he did sell, as based on the sodium, what is called the plank room. And the Rambam, in his commentary to the Mishnah, explains that in the plank room, there's a place to put people's clothes. This room would contain long wooden planks, that's why they called it the plank room, where the bathers would sit. Their clothes would be stored in baskets, under which incense was burned to make them fragrant. So that's the plank room. I guess you have like a locker room in a spa where people get dressed and undressed, and they have lockers. What are these planks used for? The planks are used where people sit when they're unclothed. Also, the storehouse for the containers in which water is placed. What's a bathhouse without water? Then there is the outer area, which has benches, where people sit when they're dressed. This could be like the rest area after the event. Now they have the towel room. What's a bathhouse without towels? That's the room in which people dry themselves. 
But the sale does not include the planks. They could be very expensive planks. And you've got to buy your own pine planks or cedar wood or what have you. Yes, how you come in, atzmam. Or the water containers, that's a separate item. Or the benches. Not the towels. You want to buy towels, go to a guy who sells linen. I'm trying to get your business. We have a linen uh, merchant here. But when he said, I'm buying this bath house and everything it contains, period. In any event. So then he buys it all. However, in any event, he does not sell. The pools that provide the water, whether in summertime, maybe or wintertime, the lay base kinos and not the lumber shed where wood is stored. Wood, I guess, for heating. These are separate items. You want to buy the pool containers, the storage pools, or the wood sheds, pay more. But if he said to him, I want your bathhouse, and every one of its accessories, I'll sell you, I'm going to sell you, then everything is sold, even though they're external to the bathhouse itself. End of chapter 25. Rambam, Mishneh Torah, the laws of Mechira, selling, and as we talked earlier, the issue here is, when the sale contract is vague, what is included and what is not included. And as the Rambam did say, and as the Rambam will say, if it's specified, it's specified. If there's a local prevailing custom, then there's a local prevailing custom. But if there isn't, we follow these laws. Now, back then, people used to own an entire city. It used to be what we called the, the Graf, the local landowner. And then he would rent, lease out, to this one a house, and to this one a saloon, and to this one a field. So he, had the, he was the owner, and then he leased parts of it. So what if somebody, what if, and obviously this is talking about the laws pertaining to Jews, Jews who are sellers and buyers, if somebody sells an entire city, like they sold Manhattan for what, $72, I forgot how much the Indians sold Manhattan for, but whatever it is, I'll double it. What is included in the sale of an entire city? The answer is houses. This is an expression which includes water, reservoirs, vaults, cellars throughout the city. Bathhouses. And the Hasmuchin law. Beis HaShalchan applies to the water supply, waterways, aqueducts that supply the water to the city and those close to it. The woods, the forest areas, the wooded areas surrounding the city. The fields that are known clearly to be part of the city limits. It's like even today we go and we drive down a highway, we'll see entering this in this county, entering this in this city, there is within the city limits and outside the city limits. And the pens for wild animals, for birds, for fish, provided that they face the town. But if they face away from the town, they're clearly not included in the city. Even though they're somewhat distant. So these items are included in the sale of a city unless otherwise specified. The following items are not. Anything movable, anything portable, movable objects within the city. That is not included. So that when the seller sells his city, he can call moving trucks and move out all the movable items. However, when the sale specifies, the contract specifies, and says, he, I'm selling you this city, and everything in it, it includes everything in it, regardless, what he does not sell, what he does not sell in this sale are fields that are adjacent to the city, or suburbs, or villages, not the wooded area that are distant from it, or set apart from it, not the part of the sea, which was associated with the city. This is not necessarily included in a blank sale. Nor the portions of dry land associated next to the city. Or the pens or areas for wild animals, birds and fish that do not face the town. All of these are not included unless specified. Somebody sells a field. What is included in the field? A field is a work area. You're growing stuff there. You're processing stuff there. You're packaging stuff there. Mochari also sells they're all the stones that are there to support the fence because private property is usually fenced in and fences are supported by stones. In addition to the stones that are placed on the sheaves, a sheave is a pack of grain, a stack of grain. You collect the sheaves, you put them out to dry, and then you put a stone on them so they not fly away in the wind. 
because these are for the immediate needs of this field. also sells as the smooth reeds, which lie under the vineyards. The vines are usually propped up by little areas of construction of reeds upon which the vines grow. These reeds are usually planed smooth so that the bark is removed. Commentaries say so they not become wormy. So these planed or smooth reeds of a vineyard also are included because it's an integral part of this vineyard. That's what the vineyard sits on. Amunachim, those that lay or place taches under the vines, could they lahami the sakedim in order to support the vine? Why? Why would this be included? Because it's a basic necessity. You can't have a vineyard without these one by twos or two by fours or whatever they are. Amunachim also sells any grains which are still connected to the ground, unharvested grain. In other areas, we find that when the grain is full grown, even if it hasn't been harvested yet, it's as if it has been harvested. Here, it's not. It's included in the field. Amunachim sells as mechitzas hakonim she chusam bebeis reva. If there's an area where reeds grow, that's small. How does he define small? Less than the area necessary to sow a fourth of a saw of grain. Even though the reeds are thick and strong, but it's a limited area, so it's included in the field. And he also sells the security guard's hut, the watchman's hut. Even though it is connected with mortar, even though it's not permanent. And here, some of the commentaries of the Rambam say, even though it's not connected with mortar, because it's not permanent. What about a carob tree? A carob tree, when it got older, they would graft other trees into it. But when it's not yet that mature where they graft other trees into it, then it's just a tree. So when it's already getting grafts from other trees, it's a VIP tree. That would not be sold. But Umachar, he does sell as a of the carob she'en murka, which is not grafted vs. besulas hashikma, wild fig trees, apapishen oven, even though their trunks are thick. They would cut off these trunks for lumber, then they would grow again from the stump. Umachar, as how the column should and all the date palms are included. Avo, but leimachar, what's not included in the sale, is hoabonim, the stones, she'enos durislagoda, which are not lined up for the fence. The stones that are not lying on the sheaves, on the sheaves as weights. Even though they are lined up ready to be used for this purpose, but they have not been used, so they're not included in the sale. Not the planed pieces of wood, the smooth pieces of wood in the vineyard. They're not holding up the vines, but they're stacked there to be used for that purpose. Even though they have been processed and planed and made flat and prepared for this purpose, it does not include harvested grains, even though it still needs to field, because it's spread out throughout the field, drying. However, when it was clearly stipulated, he, the Chalmash, the Seicha, and buying were selling this field and everything in it, and all the above are also sell, sold. Gimel 3, Ubenkach, Ubenkach. In any event, what he does not sell is, a place where reeds grow, which is bigger than the size of the area necessary to sow a quarter of a saw grain. Earlier we learned, because it's so small, it's incidental, but if it's bigger, where it grows reeds, it's independent. Even though the reeds are thin and small. Also, he also does not sell. And Arubak Tana, a small row or a small block area, shall be summing up spices. Spices are very small and very fragrant and very poignant. So the guy had a little area where he grew all kinds of spices. The spices have, this area has its own name. For example, they would call this area, they would call it a rose garden belonging to so-and-so, because that's where he grew all his fragrant, fragrant spices. That's where the name Barda, or Bardit comes from, rose. Did you know that? <laughs> I told myself a joke. The watchman's hut. If it's not connected with mortar, even though it is attached to the ground, but it's not cemented cement. Put the accent on the C. Or the grafted carrot tree, which is a double kosher, which is a VIP item. Or stumps of wild fig trees, even though that's in. Nor does he sell with this field. It's water, reservoir, or grape press. Whether they're complete or destroyed. All of these are not necessarily included in the sale. So, if the seller is holding on to this reservoir, cistern, or olive press, or grape press, or whatever it is, how is he going to get there? What about right away? And we talked about this earlier. The seller has to acquire a right away from the buyer. How's he going to get to that reservoir? They say, in order that he can have access to that reservoir, to that wine press, to that which he left for himself in the field. It's nice, but how are you going to get there? By helicopter. Being paid us, but if he specified, the Almighty said like to him, with the exception of these, I'm selling you everything in the field, but not these. He doesn't have to purchase a pass because it's understood. If he specified and said, I'm not selling you these, he also has right away. 
My man, the Gemara Mamurin now he stipulates and he says, when does the above apply? In the case of a seller buyer, because we assume that if the buyer wants more than conventional agreements entitled him to, you better spell it out. He didn't spell it out. He doesn't have all of these. If it's not buyer seller we're talking about, but if it's donor recipient we're talking about, if someone's giving a gift, the recipient acquires them all. Then the soda, whether in the field, by bias or the house, by the courtyard, by the besabad, or the olive press. Why? Says the Rambam. We learned this earlier. Again and again. The general principle here is muy importante. When somebody gifts. Somebody real estate, the recipient acquires it all, actually unless he specifies otherwise. Why? Because when we gift something to someone, it's because we love them, we appreciate them. It's not a sale, it's someone who's dear to you. So you're going to give more generously. Now we learn a sister law. What about when a father passes away and brothers divide the estate? There's a principle in Torah that says a division of a father's estate has to be final. We don't want this litigated every week. So therefore, whenever we can, we are clear. We are decisive. So also brothers who split an estate, who divide an estate. And the way the division came about, one of them acquires a field, and he gets them all, everything associated with the field, more than the seller, buyer of earlier, because we want this once and for all. That's what commentaries say here. Or, we learned earlier that when a non-Jew converts, he becomes a new entity. What if he passed away without leaving relatives? So being that he has no relatives, no post-conversion relatives, by Jewish law, his estate is available to anyone who comes and takes it. Like any other person who would have an estate and for some reason would not have relatives, although in the case of a Jew, that's almost impossible, because you keep going up, even to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and then you come back down. So if the person came into the estate of the Ger and he made an active acquisition in the field, he acquires everything connected and associated with this field. Or similarly speaking, when somebody sanctifies his field to the temple fund, he sanctifies everything else. In other words, what we're saying here to summarize is that when it comes to seller and buyer, there are more limitations than when there would be to donor recipient or to the split of an estate or to someone who acquires the possessions of a Ger. Even when we talk about seller buyer, what the Rambam is going to say in the next two paragraphs, I have said again and again, and the Rambam is saying it abundantly clearly now. Even in the case of a seller and a buyer, all of the above laws, this is included, this is not included, only apply if in the local place that we speak of, there is no specific culture. Or there are not known terms commonly associated with yes included, not included. In the locale, in a place. Where the prevailing custom is. That if somebody sells so-and-so, he also sells so-and-so. Or, more clear, if somebody sells this, he also sells that. Then, that is sold along with this. Why? Because that's the local custom. How do you know what the local custom is? You check with the Better Business Bureau. The local one, of course. If there is a place where a house is a house and does not include anything else, or there's another place that a house is everything around the house, and everything above it. What is more important than all of the halachas we learned here earlier is the commonly accepted culture of the local business community. We follow the verbiage and the terms of the locals. The same law applies when somebody sells a courtyard, a or a field, a year or an entire city, as we talked, and metallical or anything movable and portable. all of the above. We follow the terms that are used by local people. And now the Rambam concludes in Halacha 8, within this chapter, the concluding Halacha. And this is muy importante, very important. The Rebbe would actually quote this in various Halachic discussions. This is an important fundamental principle in any matters of business, commerce, trade. We follow the terminology of the people of that trade and that business in that place, in the local culture. Another expression for this is minag, or minhoge tagar. What is the custom of the prevailing business culture of that area? Business culture of that area defines halacha. More important than halacha defines halacha. Because halacha always becomes secondary, this type of halacha, to the local business culture. And that's why the Rambam points it out in different words again and again. Ah, but, but why did we write all these halachas? The place has no known custom, and no special names. Some people refer to this terminology with this definition. And others refer to a different terminology and definition. In that case, there's doubt. There is no overriding prevailing culture. In those instances, we go back to the definitions of our sages documented in the above chapters, end of chapter 26.
Rambam, Mishnah Torah, Hilchais, the laws of Mechira, selling, selling and buying. What is included in a sale? What is not included? Now we segue to the world of the marine world, joining the Marines. The Navy. Somebody sells a boat. What's included? You know, a boat has a lot of parts. Are all of the accessories, all of the secondary equipment, parts of the boat included in the deal or not? So he says, included is the mast, or included are the mast, yes, Hanes and the sail, yes, Hagon, and the anchors. All the ropes used to steer it. When you bring a boat into a river dock, you usually have people standing on the dry land, tugging it with tug lines, with ropes. And the ramp and the ladder, which one uses to go up onto the ship and come down to its lower deck. The reservoir of drinking water it contains. Water, water, all around, but not a drop to drink. A ship needs a reservoir of drinking water. So all of the above is included. Not included in the sail is the beatsits. What's the beatsits? That's the small boat. Which one uses to go to access the dry land? In other words, a boat can only go so far and then has to remain in the water. So they have a small boat which the people use to access the dry land. is also not the small boat, another kind of small boat which the sailors use to fish. When they have to go catch lunch, they go with the small boat. It doesn't include all of the servants that come with the boat. That's a separate sail. Or the sacks. Leather sacks into which the merchandise was placed to protect it during the voyage. Or the merchandise, that's its contents. I'm selling you the boat, the ship, and everything it contains. Then it is incorporating all of the above. Bays along the same lines. If somebody sells a carriage, horse and buggy, they had very elaborate carriages, which would be pulled by oxen or mules or horses or what have you. That's why they call it horsepower. He does not also sell along with the carriage automatically the mules. Provided that the mules are not attached at that moment. They say he sells the mules, and the question is, does the carriage come with the mules? You know, you could argue and say, you sell a car today, but not the engine. You've got to pay separate for the engine. No, that's absurd. You sell a car, it comes with the engine. Well, back then, the mules were the engine. Is it included or is it not included? So he says, you sell the mules, you don't sell the carriage. You sell the carriage, you don't necessarily sell the mules. If someone sells a yoke, he does not sell the oxen that comes with the yoke. He sells the oxen, he does not necessarily sell the yoke. Even though in, somebody, in some places, talk about a yoked team, and they talk about Semed Bukhar, one would imagine, what's an ox without the yoke? What's a yoke without the ox? It has to be specified. Somebody sells a single yoke. Yokes used to, used to come in teams. Or yokes come in teams. He also sells the cow that comes along with the yoke. But if he sells the cow, he does not sell the, o, the, the yoke. And here, in a note, he brings down that it's hard to understand the logic of this rule, probably reflecting language prevalent in his time. If he sells the wagon, he sells the oxen. He sells the oxen. He sells the oxen. Now, a person can always say, "Well, let's see what the price was." The price is never necessarily proof. Because, as we learned earlier, we can always say the guy loved and appreciated him and gave him a bonus. So, price is not necessarily proof, even though the laws of oh no do apply here when it's a little bit over, when it's a sixth, a little more than a sixth. But if it's just a crazy price, there's no proof that there was no gift meant here. When somebody sells a donkey, general tradition says that included are the saddlecloth and the saddle. Because he's a very basic to the donkey. What's a donkey without a saddlecloth and a saddle? Even though it's not on the donkey at the moment. But he does not sell the bag, the saddle bag, I guess, where they put contents. Or a riding seat for women, more elaborate. Even if it was on it during the sale, it's not included in the sale. And again, he specifies, money is no proof. Because if the mistake was within the realm of mistakes, as we learned earlier, the law of a kicks in. What is a law? That if it's exactly a sixth, he has to pay. The overcharging or undercharging exceeds a sixth and was not specified, then one of them can potentially nullify the whole sale. But if the mistake is so preposterous, then we say it's not nullified, because we can argue that it was a gift. He gets the donkey without the bags, without the saddlebags. We never bring proof from the price. Somebody sells a female maidservant, a maidservant. She comes 
along with anything that she's wearing. He can't say, I sold you the maidservant without the clothing she's wearing. Even if she happened to put on a hundred garments at that moment. Well, that's what she got. It goes with the package. But what is not sold are jewelry, bracelets, nose rings, finger rings, necklaces. This maidservant and everything she's wearing, I'm selling to you. Even though she may have a hundred money, a large amount of money, she has all the outfits from Nordstrom and Bloomingdale's. They're all sold because that's what she was wearing and that's what the contract specified. If somebody says to his fellow, I'm selling you a maidservant with child. She's pregnant. A cow with child. The child is also sold. I'm selling you a nursing maidservant or a nursing cow. He does not sell the child. A nursing donkey. The donkey colt or siyoch is included because no one ever sells a donkey for its milk. By the way, we've talked many times, and we will talk in the section of servants and slaves, that the world culture was, that the world operated through servants and slaves, and people bought them and people sold them. Where were slaves acquired from? Primarily through acts of war. The Torah, in its very, very kind way, has set many, many limits on how one may treat and may not treat one's servants, way above the culture of the time. And clearly today, when slavery is outlawed, all of these laws have no practical application. But still, the Torah law does deal with the laws of servants and slavery, as the culture of the world depended on slavery for so many years. Not that it's a good thing, it's just a fact. And now, Baruch Hashem, except for all the underground slavery that's going on, which is horrible. It's basically not recognized by civilized cultures. Don't fool yourself. In uncivilized cultures, it's much more than we can ever imagine that God protect us all. Halakha continuing with uh, deals of commerce, and certain verbiage and uh, agreements of sales, what is included and not included in certain details. If someone says to his friend, the head of this slave, or the head of this donkey, I am selling to you, he didn't use the word I'm selling to the slave, only the head of the slave, he sold him half of the slave. Now, the reason is the Talmud explains because he sold him part of the animal or the person which one cannot live without. As the Talmud continues, and so is the law in any organ that the life, the neshama, depends on it. So if you say, I'm selling you the heart or the head, so to speak, the lungs, then uh, it's, that means you sold him 50%. That's, um, someone can ask the logic, I'm selling you the head, maybe the entire person is included. The Talmud discusses that and comes to a conclusion that it's half. However, if the seller told the buyer, I'm selling you the hand of the slave or the hand of this donkey, if that's the point, then you just estimate between them. What does it mean, estimate between them? It's, uh, it means that we have to assume and um, appraise the market value of what a slave or an animal can accomplish with this limb or without this limb, missing a foot or a hand, and how much devaluated the slave or the animal would be, and that's the amount what he's actually selling him. That's the value which he is, uh, the, of the transaction. And so is the law in any organ that the life is not dependent on it. This is slave or donkey. And things like that. However, if he tells him, the head of the cow, I am selling to you. In that case, he's only selling the head. Because the practice is that the head of the cow is always sold at the butcher, or more literally at the slaughterhouse. Hence, when it comes to a cow specifically, then even the head, or let's say the heart, or the lungs, because these items were sold, that was common practice and are sold individually, therefore it does not mean that he sold them a half a cow, as, as would be by a slave or a donkey. If a person sold the head of a large animal, it does not include the feet. Again, common practice in the butcher shop or the, or the, um, the slaughterhouse was that the head meant the head. If he sold the feet, it does not include the head. If he sold the windpipe, meaning literally the trachea, but the commentaries explain meaning the trachea and what comes with it, meaning the lungs as well, that are attached to the windpipe. It does not include the liver. If he sold the liver, it does not include the lungs and the trachea. That's a large animal. However, a small animal like a calf or a sheep or a goat, let's say, if he sold the head, that includes the feet, the legs. If he sold the legs, it does not include the head. If one sells the lungs and the trachea, that includes the liver. If he sold only the liver, that does not include the trachea and the lungs. This was common practice, accepted practice, and this remains uh, the default, so to speak, that when it comes to small animals, 
I guess the more important limb includes the less important limb, but if you only sold the less important limb, it does not include the more important limb. If someone sells a pit or a cistern, which means a rainwater storage usually, a reservoir for drinking water. If he sold the pit, he did not sell the water. Only the storage container, so to speak, was sold. The water would have to be a separate price. If one sold the, uh, the garbage dump, or more specifically referred to as a fertilizer dump, where one person would, uh, would collect and store his animals, uh, fertilizer dung, or fertilizer, it includes the garbage. Because if you sold the space, it includes all the garbage that's with it. Machar Karbedes, and the same applies if you sold a beehive, Machar as well as included that the bees are also included in the sale. Machar Shaivach, if one sells a, uh, it's not a nest, it's a, a dove coat, it's kind of like a, 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 a cage or a, a house where, where doves are held, pigeons, Machar Sayonim, includes the pigeons. So, the last halacha, the difference between the garbage that does not include the fertilizer and the dove coat or the beehive does include the bees, is because a beehive stores the bees and the bees multiply there on their own. And the doves also multiply by laying eggs and having more doves. That's the default of what happens in a beehive and in a, a pigeon uh, home. However, in the, in the cistern, it rains in the winter and then the water is used up all summer. So because the water is in a decreasing mode, because it's being used by the people that drink it, so that was the common agreement that the water was not included in the sale because it's more precious, so to speak, as it decreases with time, and therefore it would have to be purchased separately. Now the Ramam comes and gives a conclusion in the last halacha, halacha yud alif, which he mentions many times throughout the book of Kenyan when it comes to laws of um, civil law and specifically sales and, and other transactions. Do not let the fundamental principle governing these matters go away. Escape your eyes. Should not escape your eyes. The Ikar HaGadol, main law, which he mentioned many times, which is the country's practice, or the state's practice, or the market's accepted market values, and the names, meaning specific verbiage and titles of different items, which are known specifically to every item and item. Which means that all the above mentioned, mentioned uh, halachas, if one sold this, it doesn't include that, or it does not include the other. All would only apply if there is no accepted local practice. However, if the state law or the Jewish law or the common practice in the market of that country is known, for instance, that if you sell the head, it does not include the feet, or it does not include, or it does include the whole animal, then that trumps everything else. All these laws that the Ramadan is saying is only when there is no accepted practice in that specific place. As he concludes the period, in a place where there's no practice, no custom, and there's no specific title to a certain item that everybody uses, and there is no um, specific title which is inclusive that would include, you know, encompassing, you know, like a certain name of, a, of, a, of an animal part to include the whole animal, etc. Then we follow these rules that our sages have explained, like we have explained in the previously in chapter 26, and the same would apply here.